everything really is just is. It's only when we judge it and label it as good or bad that it is so. The ultimate goal, I believe, is to answer that question, who am I? The limiting beliefs create the prison, the mental prison. Consciousness is always evolving and our present perception becomes our conscious reality. Is life happening for you or is it happening to you? A life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing your values. You are perfectly human and even when we stumble, we still stumble forward. If you seek truth and move in love, then your family. I invite you to have a seat at our table. You are listening to an authentic outlier, the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Is That So Show. We have an amazing episode today. I have a a great guest, Leah. I'm going to call her Leah. We, we were talking about it. I'm just going to call her Leah. But my friend Leah is is coming uh, on the stage all the way from two hours away from Sydney, Australia. The the town that she is, she is currently residing in is Nelson's Bay. So all the way across the world over there from Australia. And it's going to be a great show. And so, of course, y'all know the theme for this season is about holistic wellness, but always the undercurrent of all themes, no matter what I present will be about authenticity and assisting others in developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic, which is my personal mission statement. And so welcome to the Is That So show. And again, for those of y'all who may be tuning in for the first time, the Is That So show, that is my mantra for equanimity, which which equanimity is the ability to remain serene in spite of being bombarded by many stresses. And we most certainly know if you didn't know before the pandemic, you now know after going through and still being in the pandemic that we can be bombarded with many stresses at many times that can cause an, an, an overload in our ability to process what's going on, leading to some unhealthy coping strategies and maybe some unhealthy reactions. You know, I just want to mention real quick, my ebook, uh, Choosing to Heal from the Inside Out, is based off of this, my mini course, doing shadow work with Nocturnal. And in that space, we're talking about repressed emotions. And how repressed emotions lead to a sort of, whenever we're triggered, an emotional possession of sorts. Our, our protectors come up whenever we're triggered and we have an emotional possession where we flash out or, you know, however you want to call it. But these triggers, again, I really want you all to pay attention to your triggers. And I'm, I'm, I'm being very specific on on this topic of uh, wellness and repressed emotions and triggers because there's a lot of misinformation in my in my humble opinion there's a lot of misinformation in regards to these how to navigate the challenges of life you know and i see a lot of people i see plenty influencers um and i and i am also you know moving into that space but i'm primarily a psychotherapist but i see a lot of influencers on social media, since now I'm in that space, go, you know, this is, this is the path, you know, follow me, look at how, look at how rich I am, look at how big my plane is, look at how nice my car is, you know, look at how many abs I got, you know, all this other foolishness, you know, and really they rented the car, they rented the plane, they rented the room, they rented the house and they rented the abs. All of it is on rent, you know, but they want to sell that to you and tell you to go their way. So, before I introduce my guest, you know, y'all, y'all know, I always give a little, a little talk about, you know, thoughts I've been having. So let me, let me clarify something for you. I am a guide and I'm a guide by design, but no one can teach you anything except that which is already half asleep in the dawning of your being and the dawning of your knowledge of knowing who you are. And that is Khalil Gibran. A teacher doesn't, you know, I can't give you my wings. You know, a teacher doesn't do that. A teacher guides you into a deeper understanding of who you are already. And so anybody who tells you to to be like me, follow me, that's a that's a charlatan. That's that's a that's a charade. It's not any true teacher understands that, you know, that we it's about understanding and learning what our way is. Again, my Khalil Gibran, he says, seek not to find a path to God, but rather seek to find God on your path. So when somebody tells you this is the way, this is the path you do, you choose my way, choose my way, choose my way. Be careful about that. You know, be careful about that. So y'all know that the lit factor in my, my online course is being released. I've been talking about it. And again, lit means to live in truth. Whose truth? The truth that we choose to live in is, is our truth. That's the only truth that truly matters. 
And we're constantly answering that question, who am I? And so my guest today, Leah, she, I believe that that she is a kindred spirit. And so I am excited to bring her on stage all the way from Australia, two hours away from Sydney, north of Sydney. So I will bring Leah on the stage right now and uh, and I welcome her with a big is that so applause. I think this is, I think I'm hitting the applause button right here. I think this is it. <laughs> I think you, you hear it? Do you hear it? Is there? Yeah? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Welcome. 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 How you doing, Leah? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you. I loved your intro. And let me just say, it is so in line with what I believe as well. Seriously, it's just like, oh, I'm just back here nodding and going, yes, 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 yes. I totally agree with you. Seriously. If we can just really tap into ourselves, and my message is about coming back to yourselves and finding the love again, you know, because that's where we've come from. So totally in line. So, so let me, before we jump into it, I'm trying to figure out which one fits my big head. So I'm going I'm to move it. I'm going to do this one. This is just a little bit better. My head is too big. To get that close. <laughs> That's but, right. <laughs> but give the people a little introduction about who you are. Of course, I know who you are, but give the people a little introduction about who you are real quick. Oh, who am I? A complicated being. Let me start with that. <laughs> There's a very short version with it, with lots of stacking. Literally, I wasn't meant to be born. So God had a very higher purpose for me to stay against the odds. So with that, I'm also the youngest of five kids. Um, I was the the runt. I was the ignored one, you know, the abandoned, the rejected, the non-heard, didn't have a voice, all that sort of drama that lots of us have. And then it got through. I decided to get married at the age of 18. I was meant to my rescue. That didn't quite work, did it? Because <laughs> I hadn't learnt about myself yet. Three life attempts. The last one was just like, I can't even kill myself. And that was a pivotal moment for me to go, if I can't even die on my own terms, then I need to learn how to live. So learning how to live, I had to literally really just crumble and just surrender and go, how do I do this? What do I do? I didn't even know what love was or living or how to interact healthily. And I'm still learning all, all of that. But that was a pivotal moment where it's just like, okay, I can't die. I have to stay. There's a reason for me to be here. I don't know what it is. And it's like, okay. So from that unlearning and then relearning, that's where I've developed, you know, a lot more insight, a lot more self-compassion lot more wisdom you know I've written the books around that my online courses is all about helping the individual come back to themselves and to see that you know we are at the end of the day just born pure love because that's where we start from life happens crappy lifestyles happen we're misled by the media you know as you were saying about the abs are playing the car you know it's a false achievement and I don't think we're here for that. I think, you know, humanness is really about learning to unravel all the rubbish that we've been taught through the dogma and just come back to love and see each other from that space instead of, oh, you've got the car, fantastic, let's go for a drive and get, get high. You know, that isn't reality. It's just smoke and screens. For the longest time in America, the those that uh, suffered that have the highest rates of completed suicides have been affluent white men, affluent white males. And in America, affluent white men, when you think about uh, socioeconomic status, I mean, being a Caucasian male doesn't automatically make you rich, of course. But we're talking about affluent, affluent Caucasian males, highest suicide rates. And so that lets you know right there, because if you if you are affluent and you're a white male in America, that means you are top of the food chain. You are you're mm-hmm. top tier. You know, the, the world opens up and answers to you, you know, but yet the suicide rates being the highest. And, you know, with me saying that, let me ask you, why do you think that is? I think it's because we we feel like such a failure. You know, we're t- sold the image. This is what success means. This is what love represents. You know, you get the accolades, you get the stage presence, you get the awards, you get the money. And we're taught that at such a young age, that's, that's the goal. You know, in Australia, it used to be get the house. You know, that was the goal of every parent was to buy a house in the suburbs with your quarter acre, a little bit of land, you know, the green and all the rest of it. 
And if you didn't do that, then you're a failure. If you couldn't provide a home for your family, then you're just insignificant, you know. And it's these ideas that we're sold the image, but we're not sold how to attain it authentic, authentically, you know, being true to ourselves and, yeah. I am so happy that I kept my shirt unbuttoned for this episode. Okay, I see it. I see it. All right. All right. I'm ready. So let me, uh, you know, I've prepared a few questions for you to make sure that I stay on on track. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to present my first question for you. All right. My first question is, self-actualization, what does that mean? I love this question. It's actually, I've got a whole chapter in my new book that talks about this. Self-actualization, as we've been taught from psychology, is really getting up to the food chain level. You know, it's the achieving success and maybe not necessarily feeling good about it. But when we start to unravel it, for me, self-actualization is actually coming full circle back to purity back to self-love, coming back and going, okay, I have, yes, maybe achieved success in my head, not everyone else's, but I'm very happy with who I am. And that being self, being I, actualized, I've actually achieved what I have set out to do. So it can be different for everyone. Mm-hmm. For some, it can be about the the whole materialistic mantra stuff. Others, it, it can certainly be you know, the, the whole fulfillment that I'm a nice person and I like myself enough to say, yes, I am who I am. So I think it can be personalised. But for me, a true self-actualised person is one that is happy in themselves to just do what they do and allow the other things to happen and be happy with it, you know, with least amount of judgment. Easy so- to do. <laughs> So, okay. So, so let me ask you this. Are you saying that if you are unhappy, then you are not self-actualized? I think it it depends on how often you're unhappy because we all have good days, bad days. We do have reactions still in our, in our psyche. We do still have, you know, that annoyance, you know, those triggers that you're talking about and they will always be there until we're perfect. You know, when we're ascended and then back into heaven, but it's, it's when we're going more often than not, I'm good. I hope I'm allowed to swear. <laughs> I hope you don't have this image that white girls don't swear. But anyway, I don't often do it. But to really emphasize that, you know, when we can really just say, I'm okay, hmm. up and down, good days, bad days, even on the bad days, I'm an okay person at the end of the day. I'm just having a bad reaction. What does that mean to be an okay person? See, now you have me asking other questions that's not even written down, but <laughs> what does it mean to be an okay person? <laughs> an okay person is, are you happy or content more often than not? Do you need external validation? Do you need your girlfriend or your wife, your partner, your kids to say how great you are? Do you need the awards? Do you need, you know, even the money coming? Whatever your symbol is of self-acceptance. You know, do you need the external to say, yep, you've done it, tick the box, the gold star, you know, like we do with children, the gold star award system. Do you need that still as an adult? Or you can say, yep, I ticked off the boxes I went for today and I achieved them and I feel good. Well, there's still a few on the list that I haven't done, but that's okay. So is is self-actualization and authenticity, is that connected to productivity? Not necessarily. Okay. All right. I just want to clarify that. I just want to clarify that right there. Yeah. Well, definitely productivity. And this is, can I just um, add this in here, that definitional misunderstandings is a huge problem. So your definition of a word and mine, if they're not understood, actually, because you've asked the question, what do you mean by that? And the person can articulate it then we can just go off into tangents and say, well, I disagree with that because that's not my definition. It's only when we do start to talk and have dialogues and ask questions about, you know, what does that mean, then we can go, oh, yeah, I can actually see where you're coming from and and then have more peace with each other and ourselves and not react. Many 
many people, especially in relationships, don't realize that you could be saying the same words, but be reading from different dictionaries, you know? And so all we actually saying the same thing. That's why I always clarify. I like to, if I don't understand something, you know, or, or even if somebody's saying something that's, that I'm familiar with, if they're talking about it, I still like to ask that questions for clarity, just to make sure that we have operating under the same conceptualization because you're correct. You know, people say words all of the time and I have no idea what they mean. You know, uh, one of the one of the biggest things, just real quick, one of the biggest things I, I, I tell people or rather I confront people on and say, I well, I want to be able to forgive. You know, well, I say, mm-hmm. OK, well, if you want to be able to forgive, then then first tell me what is forgiveness, because you got to know what it is if, if that's what you want. Well, it's when you uh, I mean, when you let go of stuff. OK, what does it mean when you let go of stuff? Like, what are, you, what are we talking about here? I mean, here's the thing. People. They, they say things, you know, but they don't give much thought to it. It's just words, you know. And so when you look up, when you're intentional about going after what it is that you want, I said the definition and I was intentional about looking up the definition of forgiveness is to relinquish your desire to see the person that has caused you harm punished. I have to know that if I want to forgive, you know, so th- then that highlights the fact that, oh, I haven't forgiven because I still want that person that has caused me pain punished. Period. Mm-hmm. So until that is gone, I will never be in that space of forgiveness, you know? Mm-hmm. And so these, you're right, these words, uh, these concepts, these symbols that we use to communicate to one another, they are definitely important. So question number two. <laughs> how are our beliefs created and how do they dictate our life choices? Oh. You picked on my passion points, haven't you? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So beliefs. Oh, I love this topic because, and they do dictate. My interpretation is that as society, you know, it tells us what to think, what we should be feeling, what we should, the rules of life, you know, what we can, what we can't do, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what different races can do, what different colours, different grading of, of materialism, you know, what car is suitable for you. Uh, and it's just all these things that we should be doing. So when we internalise that becomes our belief system, we actually take on other people's expectations or structural paradigms that really then tell us from the subconscious out what we can and can't do or should or shouldn't do or or, um, mustn't and must not and things like that. And it's like, oh, this is the thing I had to unlearn because I was living so much by my parental guidelines, which were really religious rules, and you know, because there was all, all this fire and brimstone stuff, you know, you shan't do this, you, you can't do that, we can't do this. You know, I was just like, no, 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 let's let's tease this through because it was killing me, literally, you know, because I could never meet other people's expectations, let alone my own, because I was, you know, I was the high super achiever, the good girl. You know, the moralistic person in me, I could never, I could never get it. I could never attain that level. So all these beliefs and that we take on from our parents, our siblings, the school system, society, the culture, even the era that we are born into has its own theme of what we can and can't do. And so it tells us from subconscious out, this is what we can and can't do. And it's the limiting stuff. How many kids are actually really encouraged to believe in themselves and go, you can do this without the false idea that, Everyone has the ability to be the piano superstar and not say, okay, you can do whatever you want, but we still need to have the practice. And you will have some strengths and you'll have weaknesses. And helping them to cope with the reality that everyone is good at something, but you also need to respect where you come from, as in what gifts and talents you've been given, not from the social classing or the background or old money or things like that. It's like, what are the gifts that you've been given? What have you been blessed with? And then using that to actually fulfill your destiny, your your life purpose. Does that answer the question? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I already had my answer, but I wanted the people, because you're so wise, I wanted them to hear it in a different way. But what, what I've 
what I said is, is say is that we must move from what we've inherited back to what it is inherent to us. And the things that we've inherited are based off of fear. These rules, these structures, these beliefs, they are fear rooted. And so we must move from what we've inherited based off of fear back to mm-hmm. what is inherent. And, and, and we also have to extend compassion to the other as much compassion as we would like to receive for ourselves because the other doesn't re- don't realize, yes, it's during childhood and it's mainly parents, parents for most people that, that, indoctrinate their kids with this fear-based reality but it's it's par for the course for human beings because first we love and then we fall in love think about you know any anybody out there who's who's just given birth and if you have your infant with you you know looking at your infant think about how much you love your child how much you love your baby men how much you love your 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 child your baby your infant and first comes love and then we fear losing that which we love and we then we re, we respond to that fear. And so that's where you get a lot of superstitions from parents to children where you hear things like, you know, you children should be seen and not heard. And so now you're being taught that your voice is invaluable. That, I mean, that doesn't have value. Rather, you know, these little things we begin to pick up and inherit. You know, what if mm-hmm. your voice, what if your gift is to speak? But your entire mm-hmm. life, you've been told that you should be seen and not heard. Now you have to fight through what that limiting belief that you've inherited to go back to what is inherent to you so that you could become empowered and, and then become what I say is lit up for life, which is living in your truth. That's how you become yeah. lit. If you're living outside of your truth, no matter what that truth is, if you're living outside of your truth, then you're not living. You're, you're merely existing. And there's a difference between merely existing and living. But sister, please, I know you can tell us more about that. <laughs> Okay, I will. A thought did come to mind that and comes back to forgiveness as well, so we can link the two together. And we, we need to forgive our parents because they really were only doing what they were taught or what were they expected themselves to be doing as parents. And if, like, I know I feel like I screwed up my kids, I'll be honest about that. But when I look at where I was emotionally, mentally, how empowered I was at that time when there were babies, you know, I have to give myself forgiveness because I really didn't know other ways of being. Yeah. So I was, yep, yeah, I was the, the parent who was quite liberal, really, because I allowed my kids to play and to really explore and not answer back, but have a discussion. You know, I encouraged them to have an opinion and share it. But at the same time, I I was really quite a meanie as well, because I had to have structure for myself to cope. And, you know, the relationship with their dad, my ex-husband, you know, it wasn't great. So we need to give forgiveness to our parents. Mm -hmm. They have stresses. They have their own coping mechanisms, whether it be sometimes to shut down or to project, or it might be the workaholism, or it might be, you know, drinking a bit too much. It could be now being on the computer, you know, not being present, not being mindful, not being, okay, what does this child actually need from me at this moment? And especially if they didn't have that attentive care as children, then they don't know how to give it. Parenting is learnt, but it's also from the restriction of what they were given as children. And that's that's the twist point, I think, of this generation is that more parents are becoming aware and there's a lot more talk about emotional intelligence from a parent's point of view to support children to come through. Yes. And, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you can agree with me. <laughs> but it's it's so, you know, it's so critical. And this is what I'm loving at the moment. This This generation that's coming through, they are wiser. They're old, old souls, and they're bringing so much more love and they're more accepted. Well, in Australia, there's a whole generation that's coming through that are being celebrated and encouraged to be authentic, you know, because the parents have realised through psychology, social, social fatting, that they're going, oh, that's why I'm so screwed up. Let's not perpetuate this. Let me learn how to be a better parent. And they're doing the courses, they're learning the ways, and the children are growing up to be different. Yeah, somebody has to break the cycle. And as far as giving our parents breaks and extending forgiveness to the other, what I would like to encourage, besides what my sister said, what I would like to encourage you to do is to extend forgiveness to yourself first. Because if you fill yourself with up with forgiveness, then it has no choice but to spill over to, to, to the outside. Yeah. Understand that 
No one leaves childhood unscathed. I will say that as a psychotherapist, even mm-hmm. though I'm not in that capacity on here, but it, no one leaves childhood unscathed and parents do the best mm-hmm. that they can. As far as I'm concerned, I have to do two best parents on the planet. Were they perfect? But name one. No, they weren't. But name one perfect person in existence. We are perfect imperfection, you know, and and much, much of the harm, if not all of the harm that's been caused to us, it's caused to us based off of ignorance. And again, I got to mm-hmm. refer back to my own personal belief, my faith. The last few sentences of Jesus was, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You see, he could have simply said, forgive them for what they did. But then he chose to say, forgive them for knowing not. So what I picked up on is forgive them for their ignorance, because if they knew better, they would do better. But because they don't know, that's why they did what they did. And so understand that we are ignorant of so many things in this life. And so we're going to need forgiveness as well. And so why should we forgive the other because there's so much. They only did it to us out of their own ignorance. And by hurting us, they don't realize that they hurt themselves at the same process. And because of their ignorance, we have to understand that, or rather, because we understand that they did it out of their ignorance, we also have to understand that we don't know it all. You know, the mm-hmm. mind, I don't I don't want to go off too far off a tangent, but the mind does what is called a projected hypothesis. And in this projected hypothesis, which is what Freud referred to it as, or in Buddhism, they call it the Maya, or the illusion. So in this projected hypothesis, what the mind does is it constructs reality. It does not convey reality. It's a myth to believe that the mind is accurately depicting what reality is. No, what it does is it takes the information it already has and then it interjects and pushes that mostly into the construct of what we see, the construction of what we see or it makes for us to be reality and interact in our environment. And so most of what you see or think is real is based off of what you already know. But again, mm-hmm. we know that there are known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. There are things that we know that we know, things that we know that we don't know, and things that we don't know that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And then if all we operate off is based off of what we know, then we don't know and we can't really progress. Progress is always in the unknown. Okay, let me back up. This is your, I'm, I invited you on. I could. I can go on and on. You see, we. I'm passionate about this right here. And what you're talking about is just real, you know? So yeah. it's real and it's raw. But let me get you back in here. How are you feeling? Great. I'm loving this because this is really everything that I'm doing at the moment. You know, with the books, I've started my own podcast as well. So I'm teasing out these ideas in a very gentle conversation. So it's perfect. You know, what we're talking about is so on point to my message that I've surrendered to because I was resisting to do it for quite some time. It's like, no, now, now is the right time. So I'm glad I'm here and I appreciate being here. Yes, yes. And it looks like, well, I can hear you clearly, but it looks like you're moving a little choppy, but it's all, I think it's going to yeah. come back. It's, I think yeah, it's there's work. a plane. That, yeah, when the planes, because I'm close to the airport, when they fly over, it interferes with the internet. Ah, ah, freaking planes. All right. <laughs> okay. That, so. that, add that, you know, and it's the external influences that can disrupt our connection to peace, our connection to the spirit and God. It's the external that we can't always see even that then creates um, discord. Yeah. So back to you. When I went to Africa real quick, before I ask this next question, when I went to Africa in 2010, I was void of the luxuries that we have here in America. You know, if you were using the internet, you had to go to the the mall and it was old, old school dial up there. And so we weren't on phones. We weren't on laptops and stuff like that. We actually had to interact with life. And I became alive. After two weeks, I was waking up without any medication. I was getting sound sleep. We were out there for a month and a half and I lost 30 pounds. I just felt healthier than I've ever been. And and it, it was also the food. The food out there didn't have any preservatives. Anything they made, they made fresh. You know, they they killed it that day and they cooked it that day. And so when you were talking about, you know, the distractions of life, when I came back to America and came back to all of these luxuries, I, I went into a bit of a depressive state because mm-hmm. I felt the static again, what I called the static. I was telling my then friend and now wife back then, but I was telling my then friend that when I returned, when I was in Africa, it was, it was like, it was natural. It was just, my default was to be one with everything. And I felt Mm -hmm. God everywhere. That was the, well, not now, but for most of my life, that was the most spiritual experience that I've had. 
now I know how to tune into that and experience that wherever I am at any moment in time. Mm-hmm. But until then, I didn't even know that a moment, an experience like that existed for me to have, to experience, you know? And so, yeah, the distractions of life, you know, we think <laughs> we think that we have so much because of these luxuries when in reality, they take away from our humanity. To go, yeah. to, to, go to a restaurant and see couples looking down at their phones and texting the entire time, like, why the hell are we here? You know, why the hell? Okay. All right. Next question. Next question. (laughs) So what is the value of healing and transforming limiting beliefs? Okay. So in my mind, it creates freedom because the, the beliefs, the limiting beliefs create the prison, the mental prison. It's the constructs of how far we can actually go. So when we dismantle the bars or the the chains or whatever, we've allowed the emotional entanglement to go with those beliefs, you know, the shutdown, the disassociation, the disconnect, the avoidance, all those strategies out of the fear or unworthiness or that we're not good enough or we, we can't talk to people and the isolation that comes with that. So when we untangle and we free up these limiting beliefs and turn around going, okay, I can actually do this. It feels lighter, it feels freer, and then we're more able to do what we want to do. And we have less negative emotions attached to things, so we raise our vibration. We actually feel lighter, we feel happier, we feel more content. And that's, you know, coming full circle back to the first question, self-actualization. When we remove the bars, we lighten the emotional attachment to situations or reactions that, you know, annoy us or create the anger or the frustration you know no one likes to feel that way so when we take away those triggers and go oh you're saying that that's an interesting concept let's explore that instead of going well you're an idiot you know having that reaction or even that internal shutdown because someone says something that sounded critical and they could have just saying I don't agree with you is that a personal attack or they're just declaring their own truth so when we got reacting or responding, we can go, oh, that's interesting. Let's explore. And that's an open, that's a growth mindset. It's like, let's open this up instead of shutting it down. So to heal the limiting beliefs, it really is freeing, in my opinion. Well, I have to back that up and, and say that 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 what I would have to consider a factoid. That is a spiritual truth. I mean, when I have a cut and that cut heals, I feel much better about that cut, you know, and and again, removing limiting beliefs is basically removing the scales from your eyes so that you can return again back to what is inherent to you and a way shed the dead skin of what you've inherited so that you can truly be free. Again, freedom exists on the other side of our fears. Understand that it does require courage to be free. But again, <laughs> sailboats are safest at harbor, but they were never built to remain docked. You've got to take that chance on yourself. You're worth it. Wonderful, wonderful responses. Clearly, I could be here all day with you. Right? We, could just go, we could just go back and forth with it. We are clearly energetically aligned here. Yeah. Well, we can have another session another time. That, that works too. Most certainly. Most certainly. So another question I have for you is, what are the simple strategies to help achieve a shift away from limiting beliefs? Like, you you know, we've been, you, you, I mean, you said it, you know, you, you, you said it, but let's reemphasize since the question is up here, just in case anybody missed it, you know. How do we actually free ourselves? This was the, the hardest things for me to do, because you can imagine, and I put the analogy that I was under the barrel. I wasn't at the bottom of the barrel. I was actually under it. (laughs) So I had to literally push up this big wine barrel, the image that I had, and then pull myself out and then start to walk, you know, from from spirit again. So how did I actually do that? Lots of self-reflection for starters. When I was feeling things, I'd ask what the feeling was. I had lots of conversations with myself because I have a curious mind at the best of times. And so I was able to use that and go, okay, what is actually here? I learned under Brandon Bays, and you, you might be quite familiar with her over there. She's an American that created the journey as a process, which is basically guided meditation, going down, taking a superhero down into your deepest part and 
having dialogues with your abuser or the restrictive parts and looking at the beliefs that were created with them, so the co-creation issues. And then understanding and then forgiving. So learning that technique was very powerful. It was a very important aspect of my healing. And then studying NLP, so neuralistic programming, where we're looking at the words that we use and then, again, the constructs that we've taken on, so the belief systems, and then also very much flipping them. That was when I, I'm reframing what I'm saying to myself because it's all self-talk. So our beliefs are self-talk imposed on us that we've agreed to take on at various stages of our life. So then really questioning, did why did my mum say that? Why did my religion say I can and can't do that? Is it inherently bad or good? And I was thinking about this this morning. Everything really is just is. It's only when we judge it and label it as good or bad that it is so. So it's it's like having self-awareness and going, okay, what's actually going on in my head? What am I feeling? Because the feeling is just the chemical reactions in the body that the mind's interpreting. So the emotions are the chemical, the feelings in the brain, and being aware of the two. So being mindful, being present, asking good quality questions, being very compassionate to yourself and going, oh, that's what I'm thinking about myself. How true is that? You know, what would my best friend be telling me or what would I tell my best friend if they were describing this? And then there's also, as you've got going along the screen, yeah, there is the tapping. There's acupuncture points that we can hit on, literally, that are diffusers. And we've got the research to show that it changes the brain waves. It helps to rewire the brain and therefore our emotions and our limiting beliefs can you know, with certain techniques, hypnotherapy, you bypass the logical and you go into the emotional. And then again, similar to the, the journey process, you're actually having dialogues with the past. And we know that when you rewrite and you put different emotional attachments to the past, the future is brighter. So there's so many different ways we can do it. So there are various types. There are definitely there are so many different ways. I definitely encourage everybody to explore. Ignorance and freedom can coexist. You know, research the truth. Research healing methods the same way you would research those lotto numbers. Uh, you know, just just make sure that you are intentional about. Don't just say, "Well, I, I want to, but I just don't know how." No, no. Oh, I just don't. I don't have the motivation. Look, when you connect your values to your intention, and then you connect your intention to your motivation, to your mission, you would connect your attention to your mission. Now you have an endless fuel of motivation because motivation isn't based off how you feel. It's a values-based decision to always mm -hmm. choose you, choose your values and to choose what's most important to you. That doesn't require any energy because we're always choosing something. You know, even yes. indecision is a choice. Indecision is a decision within itself. And we got to understand yes. that that also has consequences. So like my dear sister said, there's, there's, there's many ways when we actually explore, there are many ways that we can help to shift away from limiting beliefs, but also understand that the unexamined life is not worth living. You know, you can look mm -hmm. into philosophy and some of the greatest thinkers out there. This is what they say. You know, part of being an adult, part of adulting is growing the hell up and then asking, putting everything under a microscope and asking what belongs to me? What is inherently mine? What And how do you know? Yeah. You know, based off of how it makes you feel, if you feel inferior, if you feel devalued, then you know that that inherited thing that doesn't belong to you. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's a fear rooted belief that you took on, you know, that a fear rooted person acting in their fears delivered to you, whether they loved you or not. You know, but when you discover a mm -hmm. truth about yourself, we all know when we have that aha and we discover a truth about ourselves, we feel the best way I could describe it is like Andy Dufresne on the movie Shawshank Redemption after crawling through a mile worth of shit and standing outside on the other end. You feel free. You It's like the air smells different. You know, you feel more empowered. You feel different about you and your 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 role in in existence, your space, even the space that you take up in existence. It feels different once you become lit, once you move inside of your truth. So this is the process, you know, it's. I can I can piggyback off of so much of what everything clearly everything you're saying I can piggyback off of 
and go into my own thing. So, you know, I, I definitely, I talk, I deal with limiting beliefs all the time. Of course, you yeah. know, as a psychotherapist, I use CBT. Yeah. You were talking about dealing in heart-centered hypnotherapy, actually, because I'm a heart-centered mm-hmm. hypnotherapist as well. I don't know if I said that, but in heart-centered hypnotherapy, we actually deal with the conclusions that are drawn in these painful events yeah. because these yeah. conclusions end up representing life patterns that a person takes on and filters every single mm-hmm. decision through. You know, if you've been lied to, then sure enough, the person that you meet next will lie to you, not because that's actually reality, but because that's the reality that your brain will construct for you, because that's is based in everything you will experience in the future off of what you experienced in the past. But it forgets the universal law that no two moments are alike. Hmm. No two moments are alike. Yeah. How do you know? Because anything not growing is dead. And so you're different in the next moment. And just that variable alone makes the moment different. Okay. Mm. All right. So my next question for you, (laughs) and actually this is a special one coming from my integrator slash manager, Hannah from Canada asked, what is the ultimate goal? Do you think? I don't know why she asked Uh, it like that, but that's what she asked. What is the ultimate goal? Do you think? That's too personal because this is your life. It's your life, your goal. Like, for me to give an answer what I think the goal should be is actually an, it's unfair because then I'll be just imposing my belief system onto someone else's expectation. It's just like, no, you need to choose your own goal. What is, as you've been saying, your belief, your value system, and what sort of character do you want to become? And I use in my work a lot, you know, Stephen Covey's urology um case study like you what do you want to be known for on your deathbed you're hearing your your family members talking at your funeral and saying how lovely he was or he wasn't a bastard you know what character do you want to become and I think that's what the goal should be who do you want to be known for as in your legacy not a goal as such as in to achieve a thing but it's a character that you want to be is should be the goal and that's my separate superimposed belief system. There you go. <laughs> all right. All right. You well, let me also answer that for Hannah from Canada. What is the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal, I believe, is to answer that question, who am I? That's the whole reason why we are here. In my opinion, we are discovering more truth about who we are via these experiences. But understand that in this place of isness, where everything is and nothing is not, nothing exists without its opposite. So we not only discover who we are based off of things that represent us, but we also recognize who we are based off of who we are not and the experiences that do not represent us via the pain. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a difference between pain and suffering. Much of our suffering is self-chosen. But understand that when that experience, especially when we talk about traumatic experiences, when a trauma, a traumatic experience, a painful experience happens to us, understand that you are not that experience, that you're not your story, that the closest thing to who you are are your values. You know, And so what's true for you in that space is one of the most important questions that you can ask yourself, because the pain is meant to be a teacher, not to condemn you, not to shame you. And if you are experiencing shame, understand that we are attracted to things that we like, which is why we find partners that are that have similarities and friends who are similar to us. And, and we take uh, if we're in college, we take subjects that are of interest to us. Everything that we like represents in some form or fashion who we are. We don't know one likes their shame. We're repulsed by our shame. And so understand that your shame represents not who you are, but who you are not. But the universal code is. The law is whatever you stare at becomes your reality. And so if you continue to stare at your shame and disbelief, eventually your identity, the mind will merge your identity with your shame. And then you will define yourself based off of said shame. But your shame is only a place of unawareness. It's the shadow parts. And we must do what Bob Marley said, bring light to the darkness. How do we do that? By doing exactly what me and my sister are talking about right now. By choosing to do the introspective work, to ask the hard questions, to shed yourself of things that do not belong to you and to practice those values, to extend those values to others that you would wish extended to you, to always operate in the space of your truth, not 
others, the other truth, you know, well, they did this, so I'm going to do this. That's, that's not you operating out of your truth. That's you reacting to life and responding to life. If you defeat the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. It's the inner world that's real, not the outer world. The outer world is no more than a reflection of what's going on inside of you. And you can have peace no matter what's going on, even in the middle of your pain, if you can understand why it's going through and that as part of the process, you can have peace the same way somebody who works out at the gym does the same way that we know that a cold turns a diamond, but yet yet without millions of tons of pressure that it creates this beautiful diamond that we spend so much money to go out and purchase for our, our spouses and whatnot, you know, or or whatever, you know, but it, it's everything is a process and and who you become in the process is more important than the destination because the process mm-hmm. is designed to d- designed to define and refine who you are, reshape and help you to understand who you are so you can operate in that truth. And once you begin to operate in more truth of who you are, you become even more empowered. You know, And then you realize with that expanded awareness that you have way more options than what you originally thought. And then you move in that truth. All right. Sister, what do you think about everything that I just said right there? Like we 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 got a little bit more time. We just gonna chop it up, you and I. Oh, didn't you see me nodding? It was a total agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I would also something that I like to remind myself is that it's our familial normal. So we're familiar with the normal state that we grew up in. It's just comfortable. It's safe from our perception, but it doesn't make it healthy. And this was one of my argument statements I used to have with my husband. You know, it was just just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it right. Is that so? Because he did some interesting things. Let me start say that. And I was just like, no, this is not right in the because it was unethical. It was against God's laws. It was not appropriate thoughts and behaviors. I'm going, no, this is this is what I choose not to be involved with, you know, and this is the other thing. You know, where is it godly laws that are ruling our life or universal laws, if that's a more comfortable term, compared to what society laws are? And there's a, there is a passage in the Bible that, you know, you surrender yourself into the, the government's laws until they have become ethical. Unless they go against God's laws, then you are to bow down to the government. And this is the challenge. Like, when does it become unethical if we haven't been taught ethics or if we haven't taught to be of love because our society is all about revenge and greed and you know conquering and disassociation and subjugation and prejudices and racisms and all these isms that separate there's not much in society that says let's all come together and pray or to meditate all of us you know, your religion's over there. You just stay over there. You stay in that country over there. We don't want anything to do with you. Or I'm a Baptist or I'm a, a Lutheran or I'm a Catholic or this or that. Or I don't even, you know, they're all just labels. Black, but white, again, you know what I mean? Man, man female, female, you know, like. Yeah, yeah so we, we're in a society or a, or a culture, as a human culture, to separate and segregate, which is not what the message is. Mm-hmm. It is so not what it is. And if you look at the spiritual beliefs of Buddhism or Sikh or even the old Jewish testaments, you know, religion, like from the spiritual aspect of it, it's all about love, all of them. You know, and I write about this in my book. If you look through the, the old ancient texts of all the other religions, it's the same basic premise. Love each other, see each other for what you are, and just live in harmony. That's all we're asked to do. As simple as as difficult and complex as that is, the message is simple. The reality is hard yes. because our culture doesn't encourage it. So when we buck the norms, of what we live in, how difficult is it to go against the majority of people's attitudes? And this is what we're seeing in Australia. You know, we're actually being pushed at the moment to get the vaccinations. And they're shutting us down literally almost in home prisons. Not quite, but that's what it seems like. You're not allowed out of your house until 70% of the state is vaccinated fully, like two doses of vaccinations. And only then will we be allowed out to walk and roam again and do whatever we want. And it's like, 
you know, so many ethical things being challenged and the right for freedom, the right to have an opinion even, a right to have authenticity around our own body's health. Mm. You know, these sorts of things, when you're going against that sort of mindset and the, the segregation and the abuse that's coming from those who are pro-vaccination against those who are going, well, let's just sit on the fence and watch how this plays out, or even those who can't have the vaccination for medical reasons or ethical or spiritual religions, you know, it's like, no, it's defaming. It's it's not right. But yeah, back to you. <laughs> I feel you, sister, but I, and, and, and I will come behind and, and, and say this, that we are cruel to ourselves. And as long as, you know, you mentioned society and it's easy for most people to dismiss their role, their part, as if they're not a part of society, you know. But the problem is, is that we're cruel to ourselves. We hate ourselves. You know, we tear apart ourselves. And then that is projected outward to the other. That's why we see the other as a threat. I don't hmm. care. You're, another person's truth doesn't bother me. The only truth that matters to me is my truth. You know, the only one that's applicable to me, it's my truth. And so we exist in this world where even a person's, even a person's own belief system that they do not push on anybody else. If you believe something different than what I believe, then you are a threat. We live in a very two-dimensional existence. And I believe that now, like you were mentioning the younger generations, I thought I was going to be appealing to like my generation, like like 30s, you know, like the 30s range, you know, 30s, 40s. But come to find out, I'm really appealing mainly to like 20s, teenagers. Brilliant. Brilliant. Good. What is it? Oh, good, good. I was about to say, what does that mean in Australia, brilliant? I know what it means there, <laughs> but I don't, you know. But yeah, I'm, I'm appealing to them and I know why, because they can hear me. I'm not going to water down my message for anybody. You know, my most of my peers couldn't give Honest to be frank, they couldn't give a about a lot of these things that I'm talking about. You know what I mean? But the younger generations, you know, and I'm young too, you know, like I said, I'm in my 30s, but these younger generations that are coming out of high school and whatnot, the minds, I believe that we have some Albert Einsteins, I mean, some true geniuses that will come out of these next generations because we have to, because of what's happening to this earth. The earth does have a way of healing itself, you know, and I believe that this new wave of thinkers, I think you and I, our role in this, and not to be presumptuous here, but I, I do see it as you speak, because we speak what we speak about much, if not all of it is in alignment. What we speak about is actually pertinent to these younger generations when it comes down to being authentic, because if they are not authentic, that mm -hmm. genius that they have will never be unleashed to this world. If they are not authentic, if they are not allowed to experiment, to up, to learn mm -hmm. truth, to move in their truth, if they are not given the compassion and the space to develop into healthy, authentic people, we won't get the benefit of those gifts of that mm -hmm. genius that they carry with them. And so I believe that that my role personally is to assist those those specific ones in developing the audacity to live unapologetically authentic because the world needs them. The yes. world needs, the world's need needs us. Let me just say that. Let me include myself in that because I wouldn't include myself before, but the world needs us, you know? And so they need, the world needs us to be our authentic self. The only thing that chooses to be authentic in all of creation are human beings. Everything else is always in a, in a perfect state of beingness. It's, it's human beings that have the option the gift as well as the the, the burden of okay. of choosing, yeah. you know, because we are we're higher conscious sentient beings, you know. But the only path to true peace, happiness, and higher emotions, the only path to true love, the only the, the true return back to love, which is what we're truly made of to begin with, where we come from, mm. is authenticity. Your values are the path. Follow, follow that truth, follow your truth, be lit up for life, live in your truth. Yeah, look, it's been such a great time having you on here. And I look, I, I normally don't talk this much, but we're so in alignment that I had to speak on a lot of the things that you I had to come behind and say a lot of, the, you know, speak on a lot of things that you spoke about. So it's just ain't nothing but an amen for me, you know, ain't nothing, yeah. I ain't, I'm nothing but the choir, you know, but I do have a final question. I typically I've been asking everybody this season 
and mm-hmm. and you've been doing it the entire episode. So you really, I mean, if you wanted to say one sentence on it, I mean, you can, <laughs> you know. But I'm gonna ask you before we go, and I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the screen so that you can say whatever you need to say to the people before we okay. get out. Okay. So connect your personal brand mission and being okay. Thank you. So my mission is really, as we've been, as she said, you know, is really to help give people permission to be themselves too. And it's something I had to learn. It had to unlearn and untangle all so many different beliefs and different constructs that just really are not real. You know, it is what is projected out. And I I didn't like my life. You know, when you when you attempt to kill yourself, it's you're so down. You, nothing is right. And so with this. It's about giving other people permission to have the courage to to step out of their fear and go, well, who am I and who do I choose to become? And just just trust, just tap into yourself, you know, meditate if that's what it is for you, pray if that is yours, seek help, you know, because it's a challenging place if you don't have the skills to believe in yourself and you can't hear someone else's praise or acknowledgement and say how great you are. And that was something I had to really, really learn, to hear how good I was. I never believed it, never. It was only in the last year that I have started to. So it's like I'm here on a mission just to be myself, to say from my story how challenging it was and it's also then possible with commitment and self-forgiveness and self-compassion and empathy and to see other people as their gift to me. Like my ex-husband was a pain in the ass in more ways than one, but he was my biggest blessing because he made me wake up. He made me and pushed me to the edge where I had to start to learn to fly. And so he's my biggest gift. Simple. You know, relationships do that. They are biggest challenges and our biggest blessings. Sounds like another quote is coming on. I believe this one again from Khalil Gibran. Pain is a breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. It is a bitter potion mm-hmm. by which the doctor within heals your sick self. So drink the potion in peace and tranquility. The sweet ain't sweet without the bitter, y'all. Come on now. The sweet ain't sweet yeah. without the bitter. All that pain that you experience, understand that it's deep. It's digging a deeper well in your being so that it, you can hold more joy. That's what's happening. Let me tell you, it's yep. on the other side of this thing. All right. All right. Look, every time, every time you talk, like I want to jump back on here and, and, and get with it. But is there anything you want to plug in? Please tell the people about, you know, your books. We have, I had it up well, there earlier. But. <laughs> so my books, there's two primary books that I have. I've re-edited both of them. Yep. So I've re-edited both of them. They've got new information around attachment theory in particular, which is really, really important. When we understand attachment theory, then we can have a lot more understanding for our parents in society. Also, psychosocial, particularly Erickson and also Julian. So it's really having self-compassion and understanding where we came from from a psychosocial, emotional perspective. I have online courses. There's one that you can just do by yourself. It's all that self-awareness, like the spring clean is what it's called. It literally helps to get in and go, okay, what do I want? Where am I coming from? Who do I want to be? What do I need to clear? And there's lots of easy-to-do techniques, the EFT, journaling, obviously, gratitude coming back to what your gifts are, what you actually do have and being focusing on that so many different things. The Hopapono prayer is also very much educated through this process. Yep. <laughs> we also have very much around uh, the one-on-one, so hypnotherapy if you want to work individually. There's a three-month program. So books, online programs, individually, Zoom, whatever it needs to be. That's what I do. And I talk. i got my own podcast. I have my own group site. So What's the name of your podcast? I'm what the Mind Sees the Body Creates. All right. And how do people find your podcast? It's on Anchor FM. So it's only just started. I can send you the link because I've only just started it this week. So it's literally a, a section of the book, of the new book. And every session is only half an hour. And I just dissect this topic to give more background information to what the reader reads. So you mentioned, again, alignment, sister, some synergy going on before our... Before our meeting together, I had to move across because I like to clear my space out when I'm doing something different, you know, and I had to stop my 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 reading. But let me start off with the first one. 
the attachment theory workbook. I don't know if people can see that but attachment theory workbook. Yeah. So that's this that's that's more of a beginners right there. But beginners mm-hmm. as well as moderate can also take this one. This is the main one I'm looking at right now. Attached, which is also yeah. on attachment theory, of course, you know. And so this attachment yeah. theory, when you say understanding, you see that understanding then produces acceptance, you know, like, uh, and then that acceptance, once you get that understanding, you're able to forgive and and, and mm. understand that this person operated in a space of not knowing. And then again, yeah. when you turn it around and you understand how little you know, mm-hmm. and you've harmed people that you don't even know you've harmed, you know, <laughs> all of us have, period. I don't care who yeah. you are. You know, and and if you and if you tell me that you haven't, you lie. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, and I'm gonna tell you to your face, you're a lie. You know, all of us have. So all of us, we harm each other with our own ignorance. So, with 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 all that getting, get you some understanding, please. You know, and that's how we truly begin to to unify one another. You know, truth frees and love heals. You know, there is no real connection without it being authentic. You know, without you bringing your true self and you got to know who your true self is if you plan on having an authentic connection. Yeah. OK, sister, again, just thank you so much, so much. Anything else you want to say to the people before we go? I think the biggest thing is always just be gentle with yourself because the critique we've learned. So we are perfectionisms in critiquing judgment. So when the judgment voice, the critique voice comes and tells you how bad you're doing, just settle on vacation and just say thanks for that. But you know what? Uh, That's not what I'm going to choose today. I'm going to choose to see a softer side of myself. Just send it packing for it, even if it's just five minutes. And say, come back when you've got something else to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, sister, for being on this episode. If you don't don't mind sitting in the backstage for just a moment while I say goodbye to my people. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Hey, y'all heard it. Y'all saw the synergy going on, people. You know, you put out the invitation and again, life always conspires in your favor, you know, and so uh, this has been an excellent episode. We talked about a whole lot, you know, we talked about plenty that that people, things that people actually have great ponderance over, you know, the, the questions surrounding these these ideas of what are values, you know, how do I heal? How do I get out of this mindset of mine? You know, how do I get free from it? And I'm going to say, in all of those things, it requires acceptance and then choosing. That's what you're here to do, accept and then choose. Intentionality, and you will hear this in my, in, uh, if you take the Lit Factor course that I have, Intentionality reflects relationship. I have an entire chapter dedicated to that. Intentionality reflects relationship. That what you're intentional with, that forms a relationship. Also, my sister talked about expectations. One of my chapters also in, in the Lit Factor coaching course is expectations is the greatest source of frustration. There's a difference between expecting and hoping, you know. And so I hope, I hope that as many of y'all that hear my voice as possible, go and check out that course because it is lit. And again, understand the acronym for lit, which is living in your truth. In suggestions today, I, I I might make a new segment. My sister gave me an idea just now. I might make a new segment called the recommended reading, suggested readings segment. And so for this segment, I don't know if it's going to last, but Attachment Theory Workbook. Thank you all for creating this book right here. I don't get any proceeds or anything. I don't know these people. These people don't know me. And they would probably disown me if they found out I was advertising a book. But this book right here is a great book for you to begin with. And if any one of y'all want to join me and send me some emails, you know, about your progress, please feel free to email me. If you decide to join me on this reading journey of self-exploration, you can email me at nocturnal, that's N-O-C-T-U-R-N-A-L, nocturnal at becomeanoutlier.com. That's nocturnal at becomeanoutlier.com. You can check me out at becomeanoutlier.com as well. The book that I'm on, that I'm reading besides the workbook is Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment, How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. Now, I already have love, but understand that the love that I seek to find and keep is the love that I have for myself. You know, we don't have any, it's it's pretty easy for us to find love, a reason to love the other, but rarely do we ever find or be intentional about loving ourselves. And that's the only spot where it matters. That's the only person where it matters the most, you know? Okay. 
So we had a great show today. Again, this has been an awesome episode. I just, I'm so grateful that I was able to get Leah on the show today. So to my people, mad love and respect. I hope that y'all got a lot of out of this episode. I hope that y'all pick up on these spiritual stakes that we dropped down, you know, but agape and stay lit. I'm out. Do you tell your time what to do or does your time tell you what to do? Are you living or are you merely existing? Are you constantly reacting or are you responding to life? Mixed beliefs create confusion and confusion creates a life of stagnation. Desire change? Visit www.becomeanoutlier.com slash about. That is www.becomeanoutlier, becomeanoutlier.com slash about. A-B-O-U-T to start your journey. Stay tuned for more episodes and keep listening to the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner.